Hello everyone, welcome to Junior Doctors Corner. My name is Dana and I am your host for this podcast. Doctors Corner era. Thank you so much for joining us uh, in today's special episode on enhancing our mental focus and well-being and bringing clarity to the workplace. So um, to start off with, um, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Well, thank you, Dana. Thank you for inviting me. Um, so I was trained as a psychiatrist, psychotherapist and family therapist in, uh, in the Netherlands, in Amsterdam, Academic Medical Center. Uh, originally, I came here thinking it was going to be for a sabbatical of one year. Mm -hmm. Came here with my family, uh, which by now is ten years ago. So uh, we enjoy living here. And in the meantime, I decided I wanted to work more on uh, prevention and early intervention of mental health issues. So this is why I started um, my life coaching company called Bruce Life Coaching. Mm -hmm. And um, since 2015, I'm actually the presenter of the uh, Resilience on the Run program which was initiated by the Council of Doctors in Training of the AMIQ. And um, so last year, Queens of Health came aboard. They um, uh, actually thought a program like this was so important it should be presented to all interns across Queensland. So now I travel across, across Queensland to all the teaching hospitals to uh, present the program to all the interns. Well, um, I love your work. I think it's amazing work that you're doing. So, because I have done um, resilience on the run last year, and I think that um, the message um, that you're sending out there to all the interns is very much important, which is a bit of what we will be covering today. I thought we could go through a little case scenario of one of my more typical work days and sort of pick out the little um, things that um, I could do uh, or any of us could do to make it a bit better. Mm -hmm. yes. So um, there was a particular day that I can recall. Um, I was working with this um, nurse who had always been rubbing me the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And on this particular occasion during our morning ward rounds, um, we had a new patient who had come in the day before and we were discussing the patient with the consultant. Mm -hmm. I had admitted this patient myself, did all um, the paperwork and writing up of the medications um, and had only briefly um, ran the patient past the consultant the day before, so we didn't go into too much detail. He had been happy with my plan at the mm -hmm. time. Uh, but on this morning ward round, um, the nurse um, had pointed out um, a prescribing error of mine and had commented to the consultant that the mistake was stupid. Those, that was her exact mm -hmm. word yeah. that she used. And um, frankly speaking, I felt embarrassed mm -hmm. by it um, in that situation. I was actually you know, sitting in front of them um, when they were having this conversation. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, I, I don't know if she had realized that I was the prescriber and she was actually the stupid person <laughs> that she was referring to yes. as me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I felt um, quite thrown off, mm -hmm. you know, by it. And um, I'd be lying if I said that that didn't affect my work the rest mm -hmm. of the morning. I actually found myself repeatedly thinking about that particular scenario yes. and how I could have, you know, possibly have not made that mistake um, the day before. But mm -hmm. mistakes happen and, you know, there's nothing that we can do to turn back time. 
um, to change that. Um, so what would you suggest we do instead? Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like um, this feelings of shame and guilt actually prevented you from taking the appropriate steps to actually correct your mistake as well? Um, I guess um, to a degree, yes. Mm. Um, I just sat there and kept quiet. Um, I didn't really own to my mistake out loud. Um, I think my consultant knew that it was me who mm -hmm. made the prescribing error, but yes. he didn't put me on the spot. Yeah. He just um, casually, you know, took out his pen and sort of changed the medication okay. yeah. order. Yeah. Um, but I have to say that um, in that moment, I struggled a lot with um, coming up with something to say to make the situation better. Maybe not necessarily for everyone else, but for myself. Mm. Yeah. And it probably affected how you treated other patients after that as well, yeah. in a bit of a negative way. Yeah. And that, that, is, that is the difficulty because it would be so nice if doctors would be superhuman and we would never make mistakes. <laughs> yes, and we would always would know exactly what to say. Yeah. We would never be tired. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, we're not. We're only human. And uh, we're bound to make mistakes. And just like humans, when you um, discover that you've made a mistake, you will have feelings of shame mm -hmm. and maybe guilt. And um, if you are, if, if these emotions actually take uh, take over, then you can't take the appropriate steps. And that is the problem. So um, it's really important to be able to um, realize, to be aware of thoughts and emotions when they arise uh, in order to have greater control over how you react to them. And um, especially when you're tired, mm. that's harder. Oh yes, it? definitely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And when you're a junior and you feel like you still have so much to learn, you feel insecure, it makes it harder. Yeah. So those early, early years, it's extra important to actually realize this and to, uh, to be more self-aware. But this is usually also the time in which we are so insecure mm. and we're so busy trying to focus on all the other things we need to learn that uh, this is seen as uh, almost an irrelevant mm. uh, subject or an irrelevant topic that uh, maybe we get to uh, when we're on holiday, <laughs> but not during during yeah. the work uh, the working hours, yeah. which actually should be one of our top priorities. Mm. Because uh, I think you pointed that out really well. It can affect the rest of the day. Yeah, and it did for me. Yes, exactly. Yes, and what you want is. You want to realize when it happens that you've made a mistake. You want to correct it and you want to learn from it. Yes. So next time it won't happen anymore, right? Or you learn from it, you, you, you do something better. But unfortunately, when you feel too guilty or too, too ashamed, you won't be able to do that. You won't be able to look at your behavior just for what it is. Um, so that becoming more self-aware is hugely important. It really is. And uh, that is one of the reasons why um, in the Resilience Program we also talk about mindfulness and how mindfulness can be used as, uh, um, or the, the, the mindfulness awareness exercises can actually be used to get a greater control over yourself, mm. to, to become more self-aware. And some people, to some people it comes more natural because of their personality maybe, other people uh, get to be there through, through training. Other people get more self-aware through other um, experiences in life. I mean, mm. I'm not some kind of guru telling everybody you have to do mindfulness, not at all. Mm. I just, through my personal experiences, um, 
I've come to the realization that mindfulness can be a relatively easy way to get to a level of self-awareness a lot quicker mm -hmm. uh, than maybe going through years of psychotherapy. Mm. Yep. Because in the end, with my patients, um, uh, my uh, psychotherapy patients, we would spend maybe months, years mm. uh, to to get to that level of insight of why am I doing certain things, uh, even before getting to the to the level where you uh, start deciding now how am I going to change my behavior mm. after this? Now that I realize why I'm doing this, what mm. my motives are, mm. and um, I've really come to appreciate mindfulness as a almost as a shortcut to um, to psychotherapy. Mm. So, um, what um, motivated you to become an advocate for doctors' mental well-being and um, an advocate for mindfulness? Yeah, um, there's actually two different reasons. Okay. Uh, I think what an experience that really um, affected me was when I just moved to Australia. Um, I actually. Because I wanted, I thought it was going to be just for one year, I wanted it to be a sabbatical and I decided I wanted to do everything I wouldn't have been able to do had I stayed in my career in Amsterdam. And uh, so I met a lot of new people, um, most of them non-medics. And to be honest, I was quite shocked uh, about how they spoke about doctors. How... Um, uncompassionate about the struggles that we might go through and uh, it was actually the first time I was confronted with it on such a uh, personal level I mean they would be talking about uh, other doctors of course and it's the same as you know when you go to a birthday party you only hear the stories about what went wrong mm. you know not all the good stories but it really affected me I really realized that the majority of the general public don't really know struggles that we, we live with every day and um, yeah that, that was an experience that that really shaped uh, shaped well, some kind of desire to to help to help in that way mm. to to be able to do something because of my my medical background and because I'm more or less the old one out now uh, doing the, the life coaching and um, when I started my life coaching company, the first program I developed was called Mindfulness for Busy People because I wanted to, to actually show busy professionals how mindfulness skills could help them mm -hmm. uh, before they would burn out, to actually become aware. This was, this was before the big, the big hype of mindfulness. And, um, and I noticed that a lot of these busy professionals um, she didn't know much about stress reactions to the body and just explaining that uh, already gave them so much more insight and they became much more um, motivated to actually do something about these stressors yeah. and mindfulness why mindfulness well that's I think we all have personal uh, experiences that bring us to where we are today and mindfulness actually I came across when um, I was working with chronic pain patients in, uh, in Amsterdam. I worked uh, as a consultant psychiatrist for six years with chronic pain patients. And at that moment, uh, I was actually uh, considered a chronic pain patient myself. 
uh, I had severe osteoarthrosis, osteoarthritis, because of a, a condition I had since birth. And um, I was really intrigued because very often my symptoms, objectively seen, were much worse than those of my patients. And I was sitting on one side of the table, actually leading a content life. And on the other side were my patients who very often were very similar to me. But they were suffering from their complaints to the extent that they actually developed psychiatric comorbidity. And I was really intrigued. What, what was it? What was, what was the difference between me and them? How could I help them to actually be more than just the pain? And uh, to be able to lead, to lead a life and, and have the pain be there, but not take over. And um, around that time, we started doing a mindfulness training at the uh, psychiatric outpatient clinic where, where I was working as well. And then it suddenly clicked. And I thought, this is it. It's actually this simple. It's all about becoming more aware of your own thoughts and emotions. Because that will give you a greater control over what you choose to direct your attention to. So, because... I had lived with these uh, uh, complaints all my life. I had learned to, uh, to become more aware of uh, the bodily sensations in my body. And I had to learn to react to them from as early as when I could talk. So, but the good thing was that came out of it is that it actually helped me to become more aware of my thoughts and emotions as well. It was like, almost like a side effect. But it helped me to be able to focus on the positives. Mm. Um, and I think I had a good role model in my father who was very much like that as well. And uh, it was just funny that I was always seen as the lucky person, um, mm. the happy lucky person, which I agree I am. But there's also uh, a lot of difficulty that I had to overcome. Mm. But I learned to focus on the positives and to focus on what I could do instead of what I could not do. And that has, uh, that has given me uh, an incredible uh, positive energy in my life. So when, I, uh, when we had these, this, this mindfulness training uh, at the outpatient clinic, I suddenly realized for the first time that there were actual exercises mm -hmm. that I could teach my patients to get to that level of self-awareness and self-control. Mm -hmm. That was amazing. And I thought, now I have it, you know? Mm -hmm. I, especially having those practical exercises gave me the, the opportunity to help people much quicker. Mm -hmm. And actually teach them something that uh, had been a great help to me. And, and I, I think, to be honest, that some people have been quite envious of in my life. Mm -hmm. Even though they knew I had developed it uh, because of something they weren't envious of. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's how you, how you deal with it. And in the end, isn't that the most important thing? Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. Um, but at the same time, don't get me wrong, I think that medicine still needs a very big cultural shift. It mm. still has a long way to go with a lot of the workplace environment um, issues that I see, you know, um, doctors working ridiculous, mm. unsafe hours, you know, doing things that um, we wouldn't recommend to our patients. Yes. You know, we would tell our patients to get enough sleep, to eat mm -hmm. well, to eat, our, you know, eat their meals and things like that, and yet we subject that to ourselves. 
Um, but I, I guess in the meantime, while you know we're working on this um, cultural shift, um, we should you know, do our best to look after ourselves yes. mentally by um, adopting these sorts of practices. Yeah. Um, not just mentally, also physically. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I call my program the slip, slap, slop of the healthcare system. <laughs> yeah, we know we have to protect ourselves against the harsh radiation of the sun, mm. but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be doing anything about the whole ozone layer. Mm. And it's the same here, you know. We know that levels of burnout are rising. Um, depression is so prevalent in, in doctors, even to the level of, of doctors taking their own lives. Mm. And I've worked with enough suicidal patients to know that these people didn't necessarily want to die. They yeah. wanted to get out of a situation they felt trapped in, but they didn't see a way out. Mm. And um, this is about, this program and, and, and these, these techniques are all about being able to um, stay healthy enough to actually be able to do something about the system, to do something about the, 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 the toxicity in the, in the system. Because I agree with you completely. We've got personal resilience and we've got system resilience and things definitely need to need to change but in order to be that change you have to be strong enough yeah so and, and so that is my contribution helping uh, doctors so they can help to be so they can be the change that we all want to happen yeah so um Speaking of mindfulness practices, um, do you have any tips on how we can um, start adopting these practices and uh, enhance our mental focus and well-being? Um, you know, could you perhaps take us through one of your exercises that you taught your patients in the past? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah, um, I can. Uh, I can do a short breathing meditation. Yeah, you, that sounds for good. For example, yeah. Uh, often people think that uh, they have to do uh, like at least 20 minutes of meditations to get to an enlightened uh, state and they put all this pressure on themselves mm -hmm. and they forget the three basic principles of, uh, of mindfulness, what it is, that it's all about how you focus your attention, that you have to do it on purpose, in the present moment and without judging the experience. That is what is so incredibly important. And. Um, the beautiful thing is mindfulness gives you practical exercises to actually train this. And um, by doing that, you create healthy thinking patterns in your brain. And by repeating it, you actually create uh, a state, a healthier state. So it becomes from, uh, a, it from a state, it becomes a trait. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is the good thing about neuro neuroplasticity, right? We can actually change our brain. It's just like learning to play the piano. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's all about just doing it, practicing, doing the exercises. And if you force yourself, or if you think that you have to do a 20 minutes a day, you won't be doing it. Yeah. Yeah, you won't. So make sure you start with a two minutes meditation, that's what I always say, because then you can actually feel if it has uh, some positive effect on you, and if you like it, you will be m much more inclined to do it again. Yeah. And again and again, and then if you really enjoy it, maybe you can do it for three minutes, maybe you can do it for four minutes, but start with two minutes. Yeah. So um, you can do that, I can take you through that. And um, the other good thing, and that is why a lot of people start with breathing meditation, it's quite actually quite a physio physiological uh, explanation. It's because when you focus on breathing out longer than breathing in, 
you actually uh, um, slow your heart rate through the vagal nerve. Oh yeah. And um, so that is why it's it's such an important uh, means. To, it's 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 the only way we can actually uh, regulate our autonomic nervous system. Because per definition, per definition, we can't regulate our autonomic nervous system <laughs> apart from through the breath. That is why we need that breath to actually calm ourselves down. Yeah. And that's why, well, another reason is because as long as we live, we breathe. Yeah. So um, it will help us. It, it's always there. It can help you as an anchor because your mind will wander. Mm. And it will start thinking of other things. You will be distracted and that's okay. Because that's how, how our minds work. And it's all about redirecting to, uh, to the breath. So that is uh, that's mm. how it's done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what I usually say to people when uh, we start doing meditation, I say, uh, make yourself comfortable in your chair or lie down. And um, you can close your eyes if you want to. That is because it will help you to be less distracted by mm -hmm. what's happening around you. Mm -hmm. But if you don't feel okay with closing your eyes completely, just half close them and focus on something nearby. Mm -hmm. So make yourself comfortable. Mm -hmm. And just start by feeling where your body touches the chair. Where do, you, where do you feel it? How does it feel? And if you want, you can close your eyes. And really focus on how you are feeling the chair against your body. And then when you're ready, you can start focusing your breath, your attention on your breath. Just the breathing in and the breathing out. And that's all you need to do. Whenever you're distracted by a sound or by a thought, that's okay. Just acknowledge it, let it go, and focus back again on your breathing. That's all you need to do. Just notice how the air comes in through your nose and comes out again. distracted, that's okay. Just focus back again on your breathing. Just the breathing in and the breathing out. And just notice how this makes your body feel. Notice how the chair touches your body. Where can you feel it? What does it feel like? Can you feel the floor beneath you? Does your left foot feel the same as your right foot? And if not, what's the difference? And when you're ready, you can open your eyes and come back. How did that go? That that went really well. I could I think it was um, because I have been doing this for like mm -hmm. over a year now, I can just switch into that mode pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. But I remember when I you know, just doing that, just sort of um, thinking about it now. Um, I remember I struggled when I first started yeah. with mindfulness. It, there was just always a lot of thoughts flying around mm, and then yes. when I catch myself, I feel really bad about it. Thinking Perfect about yes. things. That is and what then, a lot of people yeah, go through. Yeah, yeah and then you, you sort of just 
struggle a little bit and you kind of think to yourself, am I doing this right? You know, this doesn't feel quite right. But I found that over time, just like anything that we practice, you know, over time you do more intravenous cannulations, you get better at it. It's so smooth that, you know, you can do it in the flash, like within seconds. Um, I found that with over time, as I did more mindfulness exercises and practices, I could slip in and out of that state a lot mm -hmm. more quickly and easily and really focus on my breathing more. Mm -hmm. uh, like for example, just then as I was sitting there, closing my eyes, focusing on my breath, I could start to feel an itch on my back mm -hmm. and there was this temptation to scratch it. Mm -hmm. And then I noticed it and then sort of bring myself back towards yeah. my breathing. Whereas I think previously, if you asked me a year ago to yeah. do the same practice and the same thing happened, I would have scratched it. <laughs> I would have yes. just broken yeah. it and, and scratched my back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, it it's just like going to the gym, right? Yeah. Training your attention is just like a muscle, actually. It will become stronger. You will become much better at focusing where you want to focus on. Yeah. And do you also notice a difference at work? Um, yes, I do. When I'm really busy, really stressed, um, I notice a huge difference when, especially when I have a very a big list of tasks to do, mm -hmm. and I find myself getting frustrated. You know, I, I notice it because uh, maybe I'm a bit more curt with my patients, mm -hmm. so you know, not interested in the stories that they're wanting to tell mm -hmm. me, sort of hurrying them along. Mm -hmm. um, so usually, if I take a minute to do a bit of breathing mm -hmm. and reset myself, not necessarily having to, you know, close my eyes or anything, you know, sometimes it's not possible yep. to find that yep. quiet space. It's exactly. sometimes in the middle of something really busy, um, you know, but just really bringing it back to the breath and, you know, focusing on it in and out for a few, uh, at least a minute. Yep. Then, you know, I feel like almost as though it's a clean slate again. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what a lot of people say. Yeah, yeah. Some doctors use uh, um, the sensation of washing their hands mm -hmm. to actually re uh, recalibrate themselves. Mm -hmm. Or you can also look outside. You know, look at the blue sky, look at sunlight, look at colors. Um, mindfulness exercises really like meditation is not just sitting and, and going on and chanting and yep. uh, focusing on the breath. It, it actually is all kinds of exercises that all have in common that uh, you become more aware and you become in greater control over your, uh, your emotions and your actions. And um, so mindful awareness is very much about all your senses. Mm -hmm. So you can do mindful listening, you can do mindful eating, you can do mindful walking. Um, touch is a very, uh, very good one, how it can help you to actually just become more aware. It's all about helping yourself to actually go from your brainstem reaction, from your fight, yeah. flight, freeze reaction, yeah. to that prefrontal cortex where you actually choose the next step. Yeah. To go from the threat system to the soothing system mm -hmm. and be able to have more control over your emotions. Yeah, so like instead of just reacting to a really um, stressful situation, we're able to respond with a exactly. lot more thought and care. And, exactly. You know, yeah. that usually um, has some more, or usually has a better outcome because we're thinking straight instead yeah. of just yeah. panicking. Yeah, and this knee-jerk reaction. Yeah, definitely. So thinking back to when you were a resident, which mm -hmm. um, I guess maybe, I, I don't know what it was like for you back in Amsterdam, um, could you name one thing that kept you sane through the craziness of res residency for you? Mm. 
Well, I can tell you it's, it might have been a different city and might have been a couple of years ago, but there definitely are so many similarities all across the world. And it was a very hectic time. And uh, I still remember trying to stay on top of, you know, all the learning and uh, shift work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, not sleeping enough. Mm -hmm. And um, the one thing that really kept me going was actually uh, social connection. Okay. My friends. That's, that they have been so important all through my life. And um, to make sure that you realize that you're a person outside of work as well. Yeah. That you uh, connect to others. You need that, you can't do everything by yourself. Right? Yeah. I think so often because we get so busy, we tend to isolate ourselves. Mm. And it only makes matters worse. You, know? you, you start uh, suffering uh, from, from negative emotions, uh, or negative situations and uh, when you have friends that know you, that you can actually offload with, it's mm. so incredibly important. Yeah. And making sure that I planned holidays, mm. really important. And um, I, I often ask colleagues as well, what, what would you, what would you have liked to have known? You know, when you were mm. uh, an internal resident, very often they say that there is life outside of work as well. Don't yeah. forget that. Don't mm. forget to live your life at this moment as well. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ira, for um, joining us and being guest on Junior Doctors Corner podcast. Um, so if you would like to get in touch with Ira, um, the links to her website is on the on the blog post um, below in the description accompanying this um, podcast and you can get in touch with her if you have any further questions. For more episodes, head to www junior doctors corner dot com